tinfoil hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed. And a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to tinfoil hat. We, we, we go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink. Good morning, Swarm! And welcome to Tinfall Hat. You know I am. You know what I'm here to do. I'm here to... There he is. That's my co-host, my brother from another Mexican mother, the man, the myth, the legend, from the hit new show, We Don't Smoke the Same, Bang Bang, singing We Don't Smoke the Same, Bang Bang, the man, the myth, the legend, Xavier Guerrero. I got to get you on that theme song. I got to. Yeah, you got to, with a little bit of B-Real in the back, you know? Come on, man. Why does that happen? (laughs) I sat down with uh, basically all Cypress Hill except for one guy. We should have banged it out right there. We don't smoke the same. Dude, how big is the show that I did? I mean, the numbers got to be huge. Huge. B-Real's got to be like, that guy is a whale. I mean, I am a fat (laughs) dragon for sure. That's my new name. Fat Fat dragon. dragon. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Fat dragon, dog. You got to get it tatted. I did. Oh, uh, okay, real quick, joining us on the ones and twos, the What's gnome up? is to somewhat love him, kind of. My good friend and yours, Johnny Woodard. How right are back Johnny? at you, Sam. Johnny, you know I love you, Johnny. <laughs> we, you recorded, know, we recorded Broken Simulation on Wednesday. It will be up uh, tonight, late tonight. Damn, already? That's a turn and burn, bud. It's already it's already on Patreon, patreon.com slash broken simulation. There's like right a, there, I'm a, looking at it. There's a good extra 45 minutes uh, I'm looking on at that it. if you want to listen to it. So, uh, as you know, our friend passed away, and like when Brody passed away, I got enjoy it right here. So I'm thinking, I don't want to get a guy's name tattooed on me. So I'm thinking about getting the piano man right here. What do you think? How about Maybe you just a get piano. a piano? Yeah. Why don't you get a piano? A whole nice. piano, dude. Well, that sounds like that's gonna hurt. Yeah, it is a lot of. But just maybe piano a, keys. A, the outline of a piano. A white, it's a white piano. Oh, or just, just the outline. No, but yeah. then some be like, that looks like Texas. No, or the keys, like just a little three, the four notes? keys. Yeah, like his little, just that's, little that's pretty girly though. You see that a lot of girls. That is gay, like, dude. No. You're, you're trying to do that to me. Nothing gets gay people, even though in the they show it music. gets a little weird. Everyone loves you. Music. Do you boo? <laughs> I don't care. You know what I'm saying? At this point, I get hit on by gay guys. If anybody thinks I'm fuckable at this point, I'm pro you. I just want you to know that. <laughs> guys, uh, my, uh, next month, I start back on the road. I will be at Good Nights. Good night or Good Nights? Good Nights. Good Nights in Johnny's hometown, everybody. Woo-hoo. Home state. Home state. And I will be there February 18th through the 20th. Come get weird. I'll bring shirts and dirty dancing Havana nights. Okay? That's what we got going on. Johnny might come. Johnny might be there. Do a little time. Damn. His, your aunt, his aunt's going for sure. Oh, you better bring your aunt. <laughs> she's, not, she's not going. <laughs> Why, Johnny? What? She lives too far away. She's a fan of the show. Tell her I'll fucking give her a ride. She lives, I mean, <laughs> I'm going to send a car. Yeah, Johnny, good. I'm going to spend all I mean, my money I make like, there. Yeah, you might have to spend all your money. Uh, really I'm getting away. a car. To have your aunt come and hang out and watch you do comedy. That's good business, bro. Okay. <laughs> That's all we're going to do. So go check that out. Uh, guys, what else is going on? Uh, so many new shows, dude. 
Uh, if you love, a lot of you guys don't like sports, but I do a show with uh, Johnny. Uh, it is called Punch Drunk Sports with one of the funniest dudes I know, Jason Tebow. We're going to be doing a premium package show on Rockfin, yes. and that is called The Greatest of All Time. Check it out. We're just going to talk sports on Rockfin. So if you sign up for my other show, which is Zero, you can watch both of those. Bang, bang. Singing, we don't we'll smoke the same. same. Bang, bang. Okay? So go check that out. It's uh, So that's on Rockfin. It's my spiritual podcast. I do a show with uh, Brian Callum where I just light him up. Right? He just sh- we play a game called How Far Up His Ass Is Callum's Head? And we- I just see how far I can shove it up his ass. Right? And uh, that is called The Conspiracy Social Club, a.k.a. Deep Waters. Go check that. That's available on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash uh, Brian Cal, and then I do daily doses on uh, Patreon. Now, some of you guys have been asking, what is going on with Tim Fall Hat? What is going on with the videos on YouTube? On January 19th, our strikes come off. We will no longer have strikes on YouTube. At that point, the show is going to decide how we're going to proceed on YouTube. I have 135,000 subscribers. I like that number. It means a lot to me. I do not want to lose that show. So I have to play like, you know, uh, what's his, uh, Hotep Jesus said, you got to learn to play the game uh, because it's their basketball court. He didn't say that, but along the lines, you got to learn to play ball with them. So we're going to figure out what to put on there. Okay. In the meantime, if you like to watch the show, it is available on Rockfin for free and is available on Odyssey. Go check out Odyssey. Odyssey is killing this game. Rockfin's great for premium content, but if you want to see some great free content, go to Odyssey. Okay? I will include the links in the description of the show on the RSS feed. Okay? Go check that out. So that's where the, the only place the video is going to be right now. At this moment, and then I'm gonna take those, try to put them on broken sim. But you will be able to find it. The truth is, it's gonna be in so many places. You're gonna be able to find it. It's just not gonna be what it was on YouTube because they'll just get rid of us, and that sucks. And I like being on YouTube for my other shows, which are like Cash Daddies, my investment show, and Broken Simulation. And Punch Drunk Sports. Those are fun shows that can thrive on YouTube. The truth is dangerous. And on Rockfin, you, you don't you just have to sign up. It's free. You don't have to pay the five dollar ten dollars. Yeah, the ten dollars on you this one. It's free. You can, so well, I asked. I go. go is 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 it free? They can watch free. They don't have to sign up for premium package. He goes, nope, it's free. It's free. But on Odyssey, free. Just go check it out. Free, free, free. I will never charge you. Gratis for, for my Ford. Mexican fools. Gratis. Yeah, free. I'll, you'll never. Tim Fall has for the people. You will never pay for this show. Ever. I promise you that. I would rather stop the show, which I don't want to do, than have you guys pay for the show. I promise you that. Okay? So if you do want to support the show, there's a great way to support the show, which is uh, go to our T-shirts. Go to TimFallHatTShirts.com. It is a great way to support the show. We have so many T-shirts there. The new one, Trumpzilla, limited supply. Limited supply. We're already halfway through our orders. Once those are filled, it is gone. Go to tinfoilhatt shirtscom And then finally, if you like mugs, hats, 
you know, whatever else Xavier Guerrero can figure out <laughs> to put on there, it is there. Go to TimFallHatSwag.com. Yes, the website is ready. I just need to upload a bunch of stuff to it, and then we'll get started. So that's it, dude. Did I forget anything, guys? Nope. So just be patient with us. You can get your videos. You just have. I love you guys. Listen, man. I get a lot of, oh, my cameos are on fire, too. Go to cameo.com slash Sam Tripoli. Fire. Three minutes, fire for $35. It's not that bad. You get whatever you want. I talk mad shit, okay? But a lot of you guys are leaving me videos going that this show has changed your life. I can't thank you enough because you guys have changed our lives, okay? You've changed our life. Without you, we'd be just talking to ourselves. Without you guys and the swarms support, the show would be nothing. And I never forget that. And even though it sounds like I'm not, I'm trying my hardest to do the best show I can for you guys, okay? But the truth of the matter is, you and I both know what the tech companies are doing. You know what they're doing. So it's like you're going to have to figure out a way to support the show without going there. It's just the way it is, man. And I know that YouTube plays better on your phone. I get it. But right now, they don't like this content. So what do we do? Oh, just do it till they get rid of you. Why? When there's all these other websites, including samtriple.com, where everything's going to be at one point. So trust me on this. And on the New Year's, we're going to go back to start. But if we get three strikes again, we're going to have to cool it back down. Well, I mean, who knows if they'll even let us cool it down. They might be like, dude, we give you two-way strikes. You're out of here. I'm like, what? That so could be possibility too. that's what it is, dude. We love you guys. We'd love to make it as simple as possible. But the situation and the times we live in has made it harder and harder. So that's our thing. Uh, we got a great show for you. We got Mark Devlin on. He's going to break down uh, basically the occult in the, uh, the music industry, uh, frequencies, uh, lifetime actors. You're going to love this episode. Uh, it's, it's, it's a wonderful episode. Guys, thank you so much for supporting the show. And uh, enjoy Mark Devlin. Okay, guys, let's get into it, man. I'm very excited about today's uh, topic. Uh, our guest is a radio a radio and club DJ, or former one, he, who, that turned researcher and author. Please welcome Mark Devlin. How are you, Mark? Thanks, guys. I'm about as well as anyone can be, having had all their natural-born rights and freedoms taken away from them and being forcibly imprisoned in their own home. Uh, but we're all in the same boat, so just dealing with the situation. Could that be possibly the greatest intro anyone's ever done coming into a show? That's what we call coming in hot, and I love it, dude. <laughs> Hammer. This is great. I- I'm so excited for the next hour. Um, thank you so much for uh, joining us, dude. 100% everything you're saying, 100% true. Uh, we are seeing this ridiculous lockdown. Uh, I-, I mean, just the things that people are talking about. Uh, somebody was- I saw something on Twitter today. Uh, that they were complaining uh, about that people weren't wearing masks enough. And one person said, nobody's following the mask and no one's social distancing enough. And I told them, why don't you do this? Why don't you jump in a trunk and bury yourself six <laughs> feet under, okay, and hide out until everything's better? Because if you think about it, how far do they want us to stand from each other? Six, six feet. feet. How far do they bury you? Six feet. Six feet. Six dude. feet under. It's right there. So you used to DJ, or you still do DJ, What depending on, uh, can you still hear me? Okay. Depending on, uh, hopefully once things open up, you became a researcher and now an author. Can you tell us a little bit about your story? So for those who might not be familiar with you. 
Yeah, so I've been a lifelong music fan. I got into pop music when I was very young and uh, I just enjoyed music that was in the charts up until my teenage years. And then I got into kind of black dance music in all its forms. So I was into hip-hop that was around in the mid-80s. I was into soul and funk of the time. I got into house music when that first came along and electronic dance music and all that good stuff and uh, garage and soulful house and all these styles. And I really wanted to become a DJ because I felt so enthusiastic towards the music that I was into that I wanted to share that with other people and get them as passionate about these sounds as I was. I think that's the main reason why most people become DJs. I mean, some guys do it to get girls. Some of them do it for the money. But for the most part, DJs do it because we're just zealots about the music that we love. And so I managed to get a career for myself. I started out in radio. I worked at a local radio station, did a few shows there, and I got into clubs off the back of the radio. And basically did that as a full-time job for about 20 years. And I was fortunate enough to travel to many different countries, went to about 40 different countries around the world, uh, all up and down the UK. And I had a great time. I had a blast, you know, a very successful and enjoyable number of years. But things got to, uh, in terms of that job, uh, I got to about 2014. And I realized that it was becoming a bit of a bind. I had a young family and being out every weekend and rolling at five, six o'clock in the morning and wanted to spend the day sleeping wasn't really conducive to having a young family. So I kind of took a major step back from doing all those gigs at that point and got myself another job. Uh, but prior to that, a few years previous, I'd come to some realizations around about 2007, 2008, that the world that I'd been conditioned to accept as normal was nothing like I thought it was. And this set me off on a path of research. I started out with the books of David Icke, and that sent me down a whole bunch of rabbit holes. And I got to 2010, and there was a point in September 2010 where I was actually on a trip to New York and Niagara Falls, Buffalo. Yeah. And I had a bit of time to uh, absorb David Icke's latest book and just do a bit of musing and reflecting on the points that he was raising. And it's as if all the pieces to the jigsaw puzzle came together, and I could suddenly see what was really going on in the world. Everything made sense. All the questions I'd had up to that point were answered. So this is what many people refer to as a conscious awakening. And it happened for me just over 10 years ago. And so here we are in 2021, in the midst of this ridiculous scamdemic. And it seems I had a 10-year lead-in to <laughs> get a lot of knowledge and a lot of research under my belt so that by the time this farcical pantomime that we're now living in came along uh, i was able to see it for exactly what it is and i was able to apply all those years of research and see how everything connected together and so uh, that's where we're at now Okay, I want to take a second to tell you about our friends who are sponsoring this show at Proactive, okay? Uh, these are, one again, this is one of the products that I have used all the time. They send us a script to read. I don't read it because I'd like to be honest with you. Proactive has saved me from the, the embarrassment of bad acne many times. And it's always about stress. I mean, in these kind of crazy times, stress is everywhere. Little stress, a lot of stress. And you know what stress does? Helps. I mean, for me, it seemed to cause acne. I would get stressful and all of a sudden a big event's coming. Boom. A zit. Bang. Pow. Okay. Thanks to, thanks to Proactive, I was able to deal with my really nasty acne on my face. 
really nasty. I mean, it was bad. I would go to events and I would be embarrassed. I'd be trying to cover it up and then it looked like I had, you know, uh, what was that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie with the resistance guy? Total Recall. Yeah, like the, the resistance worst. was coming out of my neck. The so, worst. And I, dude, when I discovered Proactive Man, I gave it a shot and it changed me. And I can't recommend this enough. If you're dealing with, with bad acne... Proactive is the best thing you for do. I, I could say just for me, I can't complain. I, I mean, I am so thankful for uh, this product because it saved me from being embarrassed all the time. Being in my late late thirties, early forties, and having acne—that's who I am. I'm like, dude, I have kids now. Pretty soon, my kids and I are going to have zits together. But thanks to Proactive, I don't have to worry about that. And they got many different kinds of. Uh, uh, proactive to use, uh, different levels. They have proactive solution. That's the original system suitable for all skin types. Okay. And then they got proactive plus, which is for sensitive skin types. And then they have proactive MD prescription st- strength for stubborn breakouts. And it happens, man. It's, they got com- combination therapy systems. They got, they got f- so many symptoms for you, you know? I love Proactive, man, and I can't recommend it enough, okay? So that's what's going on right now for the Swarm, okay? Right now, it's a great time to get Proactive. For our podcast listeners, you can get a special limited-time offer by going to Proactive.com slash Sam, okay? Subscribe today, and you will receive Proactive's Hydrating Duo as a free gift. This That includes a, hydro, a hydrogel mask and the green tea moisturizer which you will use okay trust me because i love that stuff the best of all you you get free shipping okay again that's pro visit proactive p-r-o-a-c-t-i-v.com slash sam and take advantage of this special offer now that's proactive.com slash sam and subscribe to consistently clear skin uh, do you guys on the show remember a moment where you're like, "Oh my god!" Now it all clicks together. Do you ha- do you have that moment? No, not where everything clicked together because everything's just been a whole fucking mess, though. Yeah, what well, what clicked together? Well, I, I've always been in the conspiracies, obviously since. Um, you know, I mean, JFK, when I first learned of JFK and how people like it's impossible for that to happen. But I remember in the recent years where like things really started to open for me was when I researched, uh, you know, Pedogate and and that guy walked in to that. That pizza, place. that pizza place and shot it up. And I just started doing some deep dives into who that guy was, who his dad was, who his dad worked for, who the pizza place was, who was his lawyer, who was that, who was his boyfriend. And then it just like, click, click, click. You're like, oh my God, it's real. And that since then is, you know, for me, it's like, you know, I have this show with another guy that believes nothing. And that's why I love <laughs> destroying him on the ship. But it's like I don't know. You're making them come on this on our side a little bit. A little but for bit. me, it's like study history to the best you know it. Not only what is the official story, but those who have fought really hard to get out the other narrative or the true narrative that was suppressed by the powers that be. And then I like to add who who gets the money and who gets the power. For me, if all that lines up, you're probably onto something. You're probably on to something and i i had them on johnny do you have a moment that you no, remember i would say it's more it's been sort of a slow assembly yeah. of uh facts and figures you know what i mean yeah you're like, still kind the, of picture a, picture um, kind of coming together i just don't i don't think i'll have a moment like that i i think it'll be more of like a 
just you know things slowly kind of assembling before our eyes, uh, which they have been for you know a while now. Um, yeah, so, I yeah. just find it interesting, and it's just it's caused me to kind of like what you, your See, moment, Mark, what you had with with the music, where you're like, I can't really do this anymore. This is not my thing. I'm not. And I, I do that with entertainment. Like I have to watch the NBA with the sound off because I can't stand all the media, all the propaganda that's coming out from this league that is obviously working with globalists. See, I feel like me and Johnny got into it slowly because we've been on YouTube for so long. Oh, like, I've been watching about, videos yeah, about, about this say, for yeah. so long. I've been on time. Reddit, I've, and it's just kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you just kind of one day were like. Went down deeper, down a rabbit yeah. hole, and you were like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, we were a little deeper. We had to go. We had to. We had to search hard. For yeah, you two were up things. all night for that day. Consp- truth, conspiracy, and our pornography. You guys <laughs> just get it right out the gate. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, so here we are. You had this awakening thing, and you kind of been on this journey to get it out. And one thing in particular that you like to talk about is what's really going on with music. And I am the. I totally agree with you. I totally agree, and it's this really weird thing where you're like, you start learning about your favorite people. I, I often talk about this, about how, how I think if people really knew how rigged the system was against them, they wouldn't move to Hollywood. If they really knew what they were up against. The, uh, the, oh, like someone coming from like Nebraska or something yeah, trying to make if, it out? Yeah. If they knew what they had to do or, 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 or what they were up against, would they actually move out here? I think most people wouldn't. And uh, Johnny did. Well, Johnny moved to be with us, but that's a oh. different thing. Johnny's not auditioning. But let's get into the music. <laughs> Where do you want to start, man? Would you like to start with the Hertz and the frequencies and all that stuff? Yeah, we can get into that. And just to say that, uh, you know, it's incredible to me because 15 years ago, I would have been going out doing gigs every weekend. And I was writing about music then. I was writing for music magazines, but I was interviewing the artists that I'm now exposing and I'm now putting on blast. So, you know, I met <laughs> Beyonce in 1998 when she'd first started out with Destiny's Child. And I'm sat there next to her on a sofa when she's 16 years of age. And that's the only time I'll ever be in the same room as Beyonce. But uh, it's just amazing to me that I used to be promoting all these artists, playing their music, uh, writing about them in magazines. And now here I am writing books, exposing the satanic manipulations and the mind control and the social engineering that gets done through the corporate entertainment industries. And the same names I used to interview are now coming up in my research in terms of being involved with uh, satanic symbolism and dark occult rituals and all this kind of thing. And another thing is that I write about the machinations of the music business, but all of that is actually connected to what's going on in the world right now, because ultimately you come to realize that everything is, because we have the same elite ruling class, the same deep state cabal, uh, whatever name you want to put on it, uh, this relatively small number of individuals and groups and networks that control every aspect of human life. So they've got the big pharma industry under their belt. They control uh, the mainstream media. They control the world of science. They control the world of academia. They control the entertainment industry. They control the political arena. They control big business. And you realize that it's all interconnected. So I'm talking about one strand of this control network, uh, the music industry. But there are so many others that all fit into the picture. And you find the same names coming up time and time again. 
whether it's the Tavistock Institute, whether it's the Bilderberg Group, whether it's somewhere like Oxford or Cambridge University or uh, Stanford University. university or the Esalen Institute, these same names keep cropping up and you get Bill Gates cropping up everywhere. You get the notorious dark occultist Alistair Crowley cropping up in the music industry research. So it all overlaps and it all interrelates. And when this whole COVID madness broke, I knew from day one that it was a massive psyop, a massive scam, because I've seen too many of these. I've seen the way they get these things done. I know how social engineering works. And somebody like Ule Damagard that looks into false flag terror events, that's like his full-time job. You know, he must have rolled his eyes when this one came along and thought, here we go, with the mother of all psyops. It was so obvious to me. But that's a bit of a preface anyway to uh, what we want to talk about different aspects of the music business and i know you wanted to talk about 432 versus 440 hertz right i'm down to talk about anything you want to talk about but i i'm find this very interesting as well and i'd love to get into the travis stock institute because we were supposed to do a show with that with a good friend of mine named uh amy says wtf but it ended up not happening but Again, one of the debates I have with a friend of mine that I do a show with who doesn't believe everything is about how much power these think tanks have. And in particular, the Travistock Institute and what their effect is on culture. Uh, you know, when someone says this is a culture, I tend to think it is uh, completely and utterly fabricated, meaning it's, it's, it's manufactured. I think that's a better word for it. Manufactured. You know, whether it's the hippie culture black culture uh uh feminist culture okay to me these are things that are are manufactured and thought and you know discussed in institutes like the travis stock institute and then implemented from the highest levels down kind of like what they do with the news there's that meme that says you know the uh the mainstream media is billionaires paying millionaires to convince the middle class that the lower class is the problem. And that's kind of what I think happens along the lines with, um, with, uh, you know, culture. Like you have these very rich people paying millionaires to tell middle class and lower class, uh, how to live their, uh, what, what their culture is. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, that sounds about the right dynamic to me. So you have organizations like the Tavistock Institute, which employs people whose full-time jobs it is to work out how to manipulate the public psyche and to work out how to change people's thoughts and perceptions and belief systems and prejudices and this kind of thing. So you have anthropologists, psychologists, social scientists, and that's what they do for a living. Imagine sitting around a table with a bunch of people like that and working out how to uh, manipulate the minds of millions of people what a way to make a living and so you got the Tavistock Institute which was started in the 1920s I believe it was and uh, comes out of London the Tavistock Institute of Human Relations and their role all along has been how to manipulate uh, public perceptions of things and they've had a hand in the music industry in my first book Musical Truth Volume 1 which I've got here 
I have a chapter in there going into, first of all, the early days of the industry, taking it all the way back to the 1950s when the early record labels came out and the rock and roll era uh, first kicked off, paving the way for the likes of Elvis Presley and then after him, the Beatles and all these big groups of the 60s. And there's much evidence to suggest that the Beatles were actually a creation of the Tavistock Institute and that they were put out there to shape and mould the, the minds and the souls and the spirits of young people that were listening uh, to pop music in the 1960s. Same thing with the Rolling Stones, who were always pitched as the Beatles' rivals. And people were conditioned to think of these two groups as going up against each other. In actual fact, they were all very good friends. They hung out and socialised together. The Beatles wrote some songs for the Rolling Stones and it would appear that uh, the Stones were just as connected into Tavistock as the Beatles were. And that was all to do with changing the social fabric of the 1960s and changing culture in the second half of that decade. So a lot of that got done through Tavistock, which has connections into military intelligence, MI5 and MI6, Oxford and Cambridge universities, uh, which is also involved in the same kind of activity. And then over in the United States, they had their equivalents. It was the CIA and it was uh, Stanford Research Institute, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, the Esalen Institute, uh, Harvard and Yale universities. And you had a whole load of uh, groups coming out of America at the same time that were pushing similar agendas, changing culture, changing attitudes towards drugs, towards uh, sex, towards family values, towards culture generally, and pitting the younger generation of the time against their parents' generation, driving a wedge between these different uh, facets of society just to uh, sow dissent and confusion and divide and conquer, which is a, a classic social engineer's tactic. So a lot of that got done through Tavistock, and we're able to understand so much of it now through the ability to do research on the internet. And uh, it's just throwing out how much this organization and so many others like it had their tentacles into all kinds of things like the film industry, the television industry, uh, social movements, which were always thought of as being grassroots and organic. If we think of the 1960s, you know, the civil rights movement, the feminist movement, all these different uh, scenes and uh, things that we think of as having come up organically. But there's so much evidence to show that the military intelligence communities and these social engineering think tanks had their fingerprints all over them and were guiding these things all the, all the way. So you come to realize that pretty much everything you've ever been entrained and conditioned to think about in life has been a lie or to some extent or another has been manipulated and contrived and manufactured uh, according to somebody else's agenda. Uh, I couldn't agree more. His uh, popping, Johnny, is is there anything we do about that? No, I don't. Okay, I, that's fine. Hey, everybody, I want to tell you about our friends at CBD Lion, okay? For too long, Big Farm has had a monopoly on our health, all right? They have turned a large portion of our population to drug-addicted zombies, go to wrong, giving BJs for less money, okay? It's ridiculous. <laughs> Stop giving BJs for low prices, okay? Maybe you wouldn't be homeless, I know it's the drugs. I get it. Okay. They're just making drug addicted zombies to maximize their profits. The, the only way we can put an end to their reign is to find an alternative. Okay. All right. My ally in this fight is CBD Lion. Okay. I was turned on to them by my great friend Joey Diaz. Okay. He loves their products and they especially stuck by him and the church. 
when they were trying to cancel Joey Diaz. Nobody cancels Joey Diaz, okay? I love him. I love everything. As you guys know, I, I'm a sober guy, so I don't like any of the uh, THC. They got they have products that have none of that, dude. And, you know, I love their CBD uh, gummies that help you with your pain and stuff like that. No, it doesn't get you high. I love to take their CBD and put it on when my back was hurting. I love all that stuff. Johnny, do you use anything? Yeah, I uh, my uh, my my, oh, my girlfriend has uh, that's hot, Joe. Has uh, the you know the the bath bombs? No, the <laughs> have you gave her those? Bath yeah, bombs? I did. I did. I did give her a bath bomb. Yeah, no, she's got the uh, tincture uh, yeah. with the little dropper. Love yeah. that yeah. stuff. Do you that's use great. CBD or do you, you know you're just a straight up give me the weed? Straight weed, yeah. Well, but, they got flour too, but I brother. can't put weed on my body. So like on the real, those those bath bombs and yeah. those lotions, they do. You work. bath bomb it up, dog. Right up. Well, bitches in there. There's other females in there. Dude, this guy showers <laughs> with his ladies. Ladies, Xavier, why well, hits it and quit it? Then he'll shower <laughs> the with bath right bomb after. in there. What guy does that? A guy on Tim Fall Hat. That's who does it. Okay, CBD line was founded by professionals in the medical and recreation cannabis space. Okay. With their expertise, they know how to squeeze the maximum effectiveness out of each CBD product. Okay, Their focus on quality and honesty is transparent, which can be seen with their third-party test results of each batch. Biatch! Okay, from uh, for our listeners, okay, CBD Line has a generous 20% off code for you. Go to CBD Line, that's CBD Line, like the animal, okay? Go CBD, I spelled it out for you there, okay? And enter the promo code TINFOIL. That code does not expire ever, and you can use it for the rest of your life when you're an old person in the old home just doing CBD like a young Christian warrior, okay? So whether you're in pain, looking to calm anxiety, erase the stress, or live a healthier life, CBD is a great potential alternative for you to look into. Together, we can start big pharmaceutical fat cats by using alternative methods they don't want you to know about. Thank you. Uh, I love this topic. Listen, man, I couldn't agree with you more. When I take a look at like what some of these what these cultures are are promoting right now, uh, it can't help but just be like completely manufactured. I mean, look at the look at the culture of what women are taught, and look at the culture of what men are taught today in our society. Women are taught that everything that men do is a higher form of existence, and you should uh, strive for that, right? Fooling around, banging everything that moves. Now, don't get me wrong. When I was young, running and gunning, I love those ladies, okay? <laughs> but I'm saying, is this the best for you and what you do, okay? Uh, guys, everything is like super uh, uh, femi guys. The promotion of feminine men and butch women on television. Why is that? Dude, they're even pushing it in hip-hop now. 100%. They're pushing it in hip hop. Like, and that's used to not be allowed. Remember DMX? He used to literally have a homophobic song where he literally said, F this, F that. And now it's like, oh, here you go. DMX is? No, DMX used to have a song like that oh, back yeah, in the yeah, day. Yeah. You remember 100%. that? 100%. Yeah, Completely and utterly manufactured. Yeah. If you take a look at black culture, right? I mean, there is a there's a underground, which used to be mainstream, which was, you know, positive hip hop empowering hip-hop, which was completely kneecapped by Ice Cube, NWA, and Gangster Rap. And as great as Biggie Smalls is, how much of him being pushed out was because he pushed, he rapped about what they wanted to put out? 
And then you take a look at it. What like cultures? Like how much of it is ba- gang banging, hoochie shit, sell? You know, getting that paper, all that shit. How much of it is like? Listen, dude, I, I love like I love everybody, but you gotta take a look at like what is the mainstream culture right now? What is on television? Or remember, I don't know if you saw it, but remember uh, YG song uh, "Fuck Donald Trump." Yeah, and they would let that happen. What if 100%. someone? What if someone said a "fuck Obama" song? Hip hop. Uh, they would never ever play, and they kept playing it over and over and over. And they're just telling you what's allowed because you. They would never let an Obama song play. Not that I would want it. Yeah, I don't think you should be saying. And I don't ever think the radio should be playing a "fuck" song about the president. Period. But they were bumping it. Power no, it's interesting. Power one hundred six was bumping it. They didn't care. No, it is. Inter- I think, Mark, and I'd love to hear your opinion. I think people's perception of entertainment is that it's like sports, where the the best, the basket make it right. Like you have to be the best in football. You have to be the best in basketball, and that's the only way you make it to the court or the field. Because if you are not the best, your team loses. And I think people believe that's what happens in entertainment. That only the that these are the best. And what I believe is that COVID has shown that this is not true at all. That when the mechanism and the system and that these people, we have people in entertainment who have just learned how to, how to create their art that fits into the system, a plug, plug and play. And when that system is gone, they have no way of they can't they can't produce and their their podcasts aren't getting numbers nobody's listening to it and they're freaking the fuck out what's your thoughts on that mark on perception of entertainment well it's become very clear to me that those that make it to the very top of the game are selected for these roles it's never left to random chance or accident who gets to be the biggest uh, rappers or the biggest singers or the biggest musicians so for many, many years, the number one rapper was Jay-Z. He was right at the top of his game. And the number one R&B singer was Beyonce. And those two were put together as a couple. I believe that was an arranged relationship that was uh, put together by the industry. And it's not that Jay-Z was the greatest rapper out there. He's a pretty strong rapper, but there's better ones out there. And it's not that Beyonce was the best singer. Uh, against all the other competition it's that they were chosen for these roles because they were prepared to do what it takes to be elevated to those kind of positions by those that can make these things happen so whenever you get household names and celebrity a-list artists that everyone's heard of they have paid the price to get to those heights or they have been born into specific bloodline families where these roles are made available to them. And this is the concept of the lifetime actor, which is a phrase I often use. It was uh, coined by the author and researcher Joseph Atwill. And a lifetime actor refers to somebody who could be a singer or an actor or a politician or a business leader. It's someone that everyone's heard of and they're thought of in that particular vein for that particular role. But the truth of the matter is that they've come from an important family or they've got backgrounds and affiliations through their families which have uh, made them available for that role and they've been ushered into it so uh, different generations of these family bloodlines get put into different public roles so you might get one generation where uh, 
an expression of that family gets put into the world of politics. Uh, then in the next generation, they might get put into acting. They might become a prominent Hollywood actor. And in the next generation, they might become a prominent musician. And you see endless examples of this. And uh, as I say, it's never down to uh, skill and talent. It's just down to who these people are and the reason why they've been selected for these roles. So uh, we get these people served up to us and uh, we don't choose them. The industry chooses them for us and they tell us who the number one rapper or singer or DJ or producer is going to be. And when you look into some of the backgrounds and the affiliations and some of the families of these people, it uh, tells you some very interesting things. And that's a style of research that I've been pursuing for the past few years, just looking into uh, what the fathers did tells you so much, what the father of any particular famous person did. And time and time again, you find connections going into the world of military intelligence or different aspects of uh, the military itself or different aspects of government or the aristocracy or uh, different religious backgrounds, occult backgrounds. And uh, you come to discover that's the reason why these people get put out there and you've heard of them. And they're always put there to further certain agendas and they often get involved in what I call extracurricular activities. So in the first instance, they might be a rock singer or a rapper or whatever. But if there's a particular social engineering agenda that needs a poster boy or girl or a figurehead to prop it up, you often find these people pushed into that. And we've had a great example with uh, the COVID scandemic. You know, many artists have been out there telling people to oh, put your mask on and remember to distance and stay safe and do what the government tells you. Because whenever these people are needed to prop up one of these agendas or other, then they get called on to do that. And uh, they don't say no, because uh, that's the kind of role they signed up for. Uh, uh, I forgot who it was. Oh, it was uh, Candace Owens got into it with one of the um, who was who's that boy band One Direction, and he ugh. was he wore ugh. a which one's ugh, which one the One, one Direction. Direction. They're on. great on Sesame Street. That's all I got. <laughs> Most of these people you're talking about, by the way, Mark, make multiple appearances on Sesame Street. John Lennon, who has who is shady as fuck. Has been on I because I have two daughters that are, are was are, was he's dead. John Lennon, yeah, yeah. John uh, John Legend, sorry, I met John Legend. John Legend, yeah. Sorry about <laughs> that. My apologies. Don't get it John, twisted. John Legend was uh, a he he appears in multiple children's entertainment shows. It's so uncomfortable and weird, and I have no. I mean, I know why, but it's like. It's so blatantly obvious. One his, thing- his wife, his partner is dodgy as fuck as well in terms of some of the tweets that she's made and some of the symbolism in her online posts. It absolutely smacks of, uh, you know, pedophilia and child sex abuse. Uh, what's her name? Chrissy Teigen. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. He's definitely a weird one. Um, She's he she's definitely a weird one, but uh you know uh you know you see the guy from One Legend uh, uh One, one direction. direction right he got in it with Candace because he appeared on this magazine in a dress, and then it became uh you know uh, masculine men feminine men I don't really give a shit whatever you want to do but it, it fits into exactly what you're talking about I, I I before we get into the frequency thing i you know i've had uh professor griff from, from public enemy on my show and and i we discussed the psyop that to me is the n-word and i know 
you're the closest thing to a black person we have on here being Mexican. <laughs> and I'm but still it, not allowed to say it. It is, it is my uh, opinion that that word is 100% a psyop decided in, in some kind of think tank to convince African Americans, black people, to call each other the name of the, the, the slave owner called them. And people go, oh, go back, it's Nigeria, all this stuff. It's like, you're crazy, dude. You are crazy if you don't think that's directly from what the slave owners referred to their slaves about. And yet you call that. And then, on top of that, they convince you to defend it at all cost. It's ridiculous. Like, your thoughts on that. Well, you know, I was having a chat with David Icke. He was one of the first people I interviewed when I first woke up over 10 years ago because it was his books that kind of uh, jolted me out of my mind control trance. And I did an interview with him and he's surprisingly well clued up on the hip hop game and uh, how it's been manipulated. Uh, he's been brought on stage by Public Enemy and Africa Bambata before. Uh, Bambata's name, unfortunately, has been smeared uh, due to the allegations of him being a predatory paedophile in recent years. So that's a bit unfortunate. But David Icke was talking about Jay-Z and he made some very incisive comments. He said, you know, Jay-Z's always on record boasting about how much money he's made, a million dollars here and a million dollars there. And look at my gold chain, look at the rims on my Jeep, look at all these possessions I've got, look at all this crystal champagne and stuff. And he said, isn't it ironic when you think about it, that you've got a black man here whose ancestors were slaves that were brought over from Africa to America by slave owners. And yet here he is taking on the values of the slave owner's system, money, wealth, possessions, and even the religion or, or, or the ostensible religion of the slave owners, you know, Christianity, many black people now uh, have adopted that. And he was just talking about how ironic it is that uh, things have worked out that way. And you've got black people glorifying uh, what slave owners stood for and what their oppressors stood for. And I think that was a very good point. In terms of the way hip-hop has been bastardized and the way it's been uh, turned to push certain agendas, uh, yeah, the most obvious one in recent years has been the feminization of men. So if you think back to when I was coming up in the hip-hop game in the 90s and just getting into that music and starting to play it on the radio and playing it in clubs, it was very, very rare to find a gay rapper. And I remember in 1999, there was this uh, phenomenon uh, of the gay rapper. There was like this rumor going around the industry that a certain high profile rapper was gay. Because back in the late 90s, that was a major event because hip hop was so kind of macho and so, uh, you know, masculine that uh, anyone that came out as gay in that industry was ridiculed and was kind of laughed out of the game, rightly or wrongly. I'm not saying that was uh, a correct approach, but look at how things have changed now due to social engineering, due to that slow drip effect of changing people's attitudes, changing people's perceptions. Now, it's no big deal at all to have gay rappers. And actually, you have many prominent uh, hip-hop artists who are getting pictured wearing dresses, getting pictured wearing women's clothing. Uh, uh, they're, they're very feminine in that they're wearing rainbow colors. They're wearing makeup, eyeshadow, all of this. And nobody thinks this is unusual anymore. Nobody's got any kind of objection to this. And it just speaks to how social engineering gets done. 
over the years and people's attitudes get slowly changed. And the feminization of men has become a very serious problem in society now. Because if you look at the way this COVID stunt has been pulled off, if the architects of this narrative had tried this one 30 or 40 years ago, I feel that they would have encountered a lot of resistance from armies of real men, militias of masculine men stepping into their true nature and rising up and rebelling against the tyranny that's been dropped on the people, representing the interest of the community at whole, coming together and uh, providing some pushback to what was being done to us. That would have happened, I feel, in previous generations. But in 2020, 2021, no such resistance. And I can speak to the dynamic here in the UK because I feel a very successful job has been done, probably at the hands of the Tavistock Institute and all these social engineers, of dumbing men down, feminizing them, uh, removing that natural masculine tendency out of them, that self-defense uh, instinct that should be there in authentic men because that's what it means to be a real male uh it's not wrong there's nothing wrong with it it's just the natural state of what it is to be a masculine male and uh, we've seen very little resistance there's been no real pushback uh, and most men have just rolled over and taken what's been dumped on us and the saddest thing that i see in society is when you see uh big stocky men with shaven heads and you know tattoos everywhere and 30 years ago, they'd have been football thugs kicking off on the, the terraces at football games, you know. But these days, they're wearing a mask, standing behind a bit of tape in the supermarket, doing what they're told by some 16-year-old COVID marshal on the door and not any kind of fuss whatsoever. So RIP real men. And it's all been at the hands of these social engineers uh, who have been slowly feminizing men and taking the opposite approach as well and masculizing females and making them more like their male counterparts. So this is how social engineering gets done, man. I couldn't agree more. A uh, couple of questions. Is, is it possible that the drive to kind of uh, pervert the natural order is, 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 is somehow like satanic in origin? And then secondly, is, is it also possible, and I've heard this uh, put forward, that this, this feminizing uh, effort is, is related in some in some ways to population control i mean that was done yeah, from uh, bill cooper's book he talked about that it's all of that yeah yeah um so you've had this slow feminization of males and then the opposite thing happening with females and you've also had the transhuman agenda the ai agenda which has been pushed through music through the music industry and big time through hip-hop this is another uh, avenue down which they've steered the so-called hip-hop game. I can't even refer to it seriously as hip-hop anymore because it's so far Bad. removed from authentic hip-hop that went before that it's an insult to even refer to it as that. But um, So they've been glorifying the idea of transhumanism, the merging of man and machine, the merging of humanity with technology, and they've been pushing the blurring of the genders. And both of these are satanic agendas. Satanic meaning in opposition to that which is inherent to creation, to nature, that which comes from God. So the word Satan in the Hebrew and in the Arabic means 
an opposer or an adversary. And that's what it's referring to. It's an adversary to that which comes from nature, that which is uh, natural and inherent to creation. And so that's transhumanism. And that's the blurring of the genders. God, the creator, whatever your concept of him or it is, created to genders. We have duality in this realm of existence. Everything has an opposing value. So for up, there's down. For left, there's right. For uh, night, there's day. And for male, there's female. That's it, the end. There's male and there's female. There are two genders in creation. None of this uh, 36 different uh, pronouns or whatever it is from these uh, different communities yeah that's just uh, that's just uh that to me is elitism that is that is to me white privilege well by definition it's elitism too because the example have 90 genders i'm this like dude i never hear homeless people correcting me (laughs) on their gender i just want to say something real quick though i think it's very important for me and this is me speaking for nobody else on this show at this moment i also don't want to get into a place where People who are gay and people who want to live a certain lifestyle can't live their lifestyle. The problem I have with everything is that it's so obvious what they're doing that it becomes programming. If you are trans, and we have a lot of trans listeners that I've met, and they're nice people, I don't care what you do as an adult. What I am talking about is the obvious programming of children— The obvious programming through commercials, which we see all the time. Every commercial is an interracial couple. Dude, I've set the record on watching interracial porn. Just going to be honest with you. I kept that industry alive, okay? It's just the truth. So I'm not judging anybody. But when you see it's the same thing every time, which is incredibly good-looking, model-perfect white woman, model-perfect black male, and then the opposite of that in every commercial is nerdy-looking black woman and beta-cuck white male. Universally, universally, you are trying to... To pull something on us. I don't care. I, dude, if you want to date interracial, date whoever you want. What I'm talking about is this, this agenda being pulled on us to get everybody to fucking fight with each other. I don't care if you're gay. I don't care if you want to wear a wig and a dress. You do you. That's all you want. What I don't want is this being pushed on the children. Listen, at 18 years old, you want to take... Hormones, light yourself up like a Christmas tree. I don't care. Have a good time. But the pushing on to the children, because when I was younger, we were having debates about whether children should be allowed to take steroids, and there was this giant pushback against that. Well, that's why they legalized steroids for baseball, so that kids wouldn't do it. Yeah, exactly. They made it illegal, yeah. right? So now, but now it's like, hey, dude, it's totally cool. Why are you so close-minded to giving eight-year-olds uh, fucking uh, 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 hormone therapy? Uh, because they're not grown yet. And you're so, like, what we've seen is this desire, as you were talking about, to conform. Who can conform the quickest? What COVID has showed us is who the fake punk rockers are. Is it worse now that you have kids? Because we've been talking about this before oh, you had dude. kids. Now that you watch, sit there, and you go to the baby stores and Toys R Us and all this shit, is it worse? Because, I mean, I don't have kids. I just dude, watch whatever's on YouTube, and I'm like, look at that. How many symbols do you think there are in the world? 
And why is this one symbol that the FBI says is a pedophilia symbol, which is actually the symbol for the universe, okay, which they pervert all everything. They flip it. What is up is really down. Why is this symbol in every single fucking child's animation? Every time. There's a thousand symbols out It's obviously been imbued with some power, right, by all these people using it over and over again. And I think... And I think you'd stop using it. Like, if I all of a sudden was an animation person... And I'm going to make a cartoon. Like, dude, I'd make is... sure that wouldn't be there just so Sam wouldn't sit there and criticize my fucking show. I would show love that that was actually a meeting discussion. They're like, <laughs> guys, I, Nickelodeon, listen, Sam is pissed. <laughs> listen, the, C- the, the CEO. Can we not do this, please? <laughs> um, let's get into these hurts and stuff like that because I, uh, I, I think this is such interesting. The original standard for hurts is uh, four, three, two. Four three two hertz, and then it got changed. Why did they change that to four four zero? Yeah, so I got into this in my second book, Musical Truth Volume Two, just considering stuff that happens on an unseen level that we're not conscious of at all, but but it can still be having an effect on us, and that has applications big time in recorded music. So, for many years the standard tuning pitch for music when it was performed live and in the very early days of phonographic recordings was A equals 440 hertz, where the A note is pitched to 440 cycles per second and all the other notes fall into accordance with that. And, uh, sorry, did I say four... Did I say 440? I meant the original one is 432. Yeah. Sorry if I did say that. That's fine. Uh, so originally it was 432. And if you speak to any kind of musicologist or audio engineer, they will tell you that 432 is a harmonic frequency. So when music is pitched to that hertz, then it sits well with human brain waves. It sits well with the energy of the human body. And it's related to what is known as the love frequency. It's got applications to 528 hertz, which is the love frequency. It's a sort of lower version of that. So music that's listened to, pitched to that frequency, has a very uh, natural and pleasing and calming effect on the human body and mind. So this was understood by those that came to hijack these industries and who did not have humanity's best interests at heart and seek out any way that they can to subvert things and bastardize them and invert them and turn them into a satanic version of what they were before. And so sometime around the Second World War, just after the Second World War, the standard tuning pitch for recorded music and music performed live would change from 432 hertz to 440 hertz. And this occurred at the hands of those nice people at the Rockefeller Foundation who uh, had their hands in many different aspects of society, the educational system, not least. And so the standard tuning pitch was changed to 440. And pretty much from that day to this, throughout all the decades, most music that you get uh, in recorded form would have been recorded and pitched to 440 hertz there have been some exceptions there are music makers and producers who realize that 432 is the frequency that we should be listening to our music at and they make their creations according to that frequency but for the most part it's 440 and this is said to have the opposite effect to 432 it causes discordance and dissonance and unrest and unease in uh, a listener it's 
entirely unknown to them. It's happening on a subconscious, subliminal level. But when you're absorbing these frequencies, it's not sitting well with human rhythms, brain waves, and the energy of the human body. It's having a disturbing, discordant effect. And it could be causing people to feel agitated, to feel uh, angry, to feel just ill at ease. And they would have no idea that it's down to the music that they're listening to that's causing them to feel this way. So it's just another very sinister method of uh, controlling people on an unseen level without their conscious uh, realization that it's going on. And it's been happening for a very long time. 432 is part of a very interesting cosmic sequence that occurs in nature where the numbers always add up to nine. So four, three and two uh, boils down to nine. The sequence starts with 27, which becomes interesting because you have the 27 club in music legend. This is the large number of artists who just happen to have died in some strange circumstance or other at the age of 27. You've got Jim Morrison, Jim Hend- Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Brian Jones of the Rolling Stones, Amy Winehouse, many, many others through the years, Kurt Cobain. Then you double it each time. So from 27, you get 54. Then you get 108, 216, 432, 864. And you often find these figures as part of that co- cosmic sequence crop up in nature in things like the movements of the sun and the moon and the dimensions of the earth. And they just have all these cosmic applications. So there is something very special about 432 as a number because numbers are encoded into creation and they have special power. Uh, But 440 is having the opposite effect on people and doesn't it speak volumes that that was chosen as the standard frequency for most recorded music. I I totally get it, dude. Like, a frequency can drive you nuts, make you angry, can calm you down. I mean, you listen to it all the time with apps. Johnny? Is there a, is there a, a, a practical uh, remedy for this? Uh, is there some technology that can convert? Uh, In you know, real time? I mean, yeah, yeah, for, for yeah, yeah, healthy living. Yeah, there is. There are applications online where you can plug in music that's been recorded at 440, and it re-encodes it to 432. There are lots of applications for doing that. If somebody just does a search for 440 to 432 hertz, I'm sure you could find a way of uh, converting your music. Many people I know have done that. Would that change it at all? Like, I, w- I, don't, I have no idea. Does what do you it, mean, would that like, change it? The tune, the beat at all? Just Oh, the, you mean, you, would it sound different? Yeah, would it sound oh, different? I didn't think about yeah, that. Yeah, to, to, to the conscious mind, to the ear, it sounds exactly the same. Oh, but on okay. an unseen, hidden level, it's having a, a different effect on you. So... Uh, you know, musicologists tell me. Ah, interesting, dude. So we hear about all this stuff. This game is getting played. Again, who are they promoting versus who's the best, right? And again, I think with the internet, you're starting to see people pull themselves out of the system, go to peer to peer, and these groups are rising, and suits are trying to like to 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 wedge themselves into that equation, and it's and it's not happening. I, I just had a conversation with a buddy yesterday. It's like this guy's getting. They want him to pull him into the system. They want him to send packets right on this. I go, dude, you're killing it over here. All the, and they they hate that because you're doing your own thing, making fun of them. They want you to pull you into that so they could. Send you a lot of money, man, and you get this money, and now you buy a house, you get a family. Now you're stuck in this, dude. And if you don't play that game, you're screwed. You see it happen all the time with writers in L.A. You know, they they come out here to be a comic. They want to be a famous comic. They want to be a movie actor. 
things aren't going right, so they start writing, and then boom, they're stuck in that writing gig. And eventually, they're just going to be like, dude, we're just looking for younger writers. Now what do you do? And that writing is a job that they have needlessly, like they have done with so many other jobs, they have needlessly turned it into a slog. You know, I mean, it's really a misery job, you know, the way they run it. And they don't have to be. There's so many jobs that don't have to be miserable that are made miserable for for no apparent reason other than to just kind of fuel this misery machine that that society has kind of so they plug themselves into the system right they give them a blue check mark on twitter and like every time someone gets caught doing something politically correct all the blue check mark people are these writers on these shows the brown shirts who are just like begging for attention because they need to get another gig like you know i have no problems with judd apatow anymore we you know we're cool but you know when when that thing was going down with judd apatow and louis ck every blue check mark person was some writer that you know was just begging that he saw that fucking tweet of him like <laughs> sticking up for him so he'd get hired on the next project every fucking time yeah and then behind closed doors i knew they didn't believe any of that but they were just projecting you know what what do they call it virtue virtue signaling yeah, yeah that's all they were doing you can't help out louis if you help him out that might even ruin you more yeah i do the people said that the cow oh, i can't i can't work with you it might hurt my career i'd be like lose my number yep. and never fucking talk to me again but why why do people why do these groups like want to mean why do we see that these these travis stock people want to inst to manipulate our consumption and and how is that applied to the military industrial complex yeah well first of all we keep circling back round to the COVID. oh man we lost him we got so close dude we got so close does he know he's frozen can you write him? Hey, you're frozen. Oh, no, he's, right. he's back. What's okay. happened? I'm frozen? Oh, yeah, you're back now. You're back. And he's back. I'm back? Yeah. So- okay. So I just froze there. Yeah, yep. you just thought when you said was circling back to COVID. Right. Okay. So circling back around to COVID again, because, you know, there's some good points to be made here. I've been keeping my eye on the prominent musicians and also prominent DJs over the past few months to see who is going to speak out about this obvious scam, this obvious psyop that's being played on us. And uh, it's been very disappointing because the vast majority of prominent musicians have just stayed silent. Then you've had a few that have just been predictably towing the official line. And two examples would be Paul McCartney, who came out the other week saying he can't wait to have the vaccine. He can't wait to be one of the first to take the COVID vaccine. And then his old bandmate Ringo Starr did a video on New Year's Eve where he's behind his drum kit in his house and he's wearing a mask. And then he takes the mask off and he says, remember, people, stay safe, you know, do what the government tells you and wear your mask. And I just thought how utterly predictable. There's a reason those are the two that are still alive, by the way. There's a reason those are the two Beatles still living here. John and John and George are dead, Paul and Ringo are alive, and it speaks volumes that they are. So there's been very few artists that have spoken out. There have been a few. There are some honorable exceptions. There's Van Morrison, first off, who is actually a sir. And he's come out and been very critical about the government's stance on lockdowns. He produced four songs, which were uh, anti-lockdown. Clapton played on one, too. Yeah, uh, that was quite surprising. Then you've got... uh, 
Liam Gallagher and Noel Gallagher of Oasis, who've had a few things to say about mask wearing and lockdowns as well. You've got Ian Brown, who was formerly with the Stone Roses, who's a full-on committed truther. He definitely knows what time it is, and he's got no problem expressing what's on his mind. But there have been very few others. Most of them have just been towing the line because uh, they know that uh, they're not allowed to speak out about these things. Whenever they do prop up agendas, it's approved ones that have been given to them by their handlers. Because when you get down to the true nature of the industry, it is ultimately controlled by the military intelligence communities and these social engineering think tanks. Uh, Just going back to what we were saying at the start. And this goes all the way back to the early days of the industry where you had uh, record labels that originally started out in research for the military. So you look at some of the early labels like DECA and RCA, which actually stands for Radio Corporation of America, and EMI, Electrical Mechanical Industries, and you find out that many of them started life uh, producing things like radio systems, sonar and radar radar systems for military applications. And it was only later when the recording industry got off the ground that they uh, started up these record label aspects to the business. And they started hiring groups like the Rolling Stones and the Beatles and uh, artists like Elvis Presley and Cliff Richard. So it's very interesting to go back to those early days and see just how many applications there are into the world of the military. And it's pretty much been that way since. The military industrial complex controls the entertainment industries and specifically the record industry. A hey, uh, couple quotes real quick. Hold on. Okay. couple things, then we'll get to you. Yeah, yeah. One, uh, what you're talking about, celebrities coming out. So a long time ago, I had a show on Spike TV. It was called Wild World of Spike. And it uh, had me, Kip Cope, Jason Ellis. Jason L. Kip Cope was dating Gina Carano at that time, who is now on The Mandalorian on Disney. And it's like, Johnny, everyone's talking about how great The Mandalorian is. Like, I don't want to give Disney my money, but <laughs> I have nothing to watch. I'm going to watch it. She's great on it. Pirate she- it. I pirate it. Pirate it. Well, please tell me how to do that next time. Okay. Okay? So anyways, Gina Carano, I follow her on Twitter, puts out this picture of a woman on a beach, basically, and the cop explained to her that she is breaking COVID things and he's arresting her. Dude, supposedly, according to mainstream media, Gina Carano, there's petitions to get her out of the Mandalorian. They're going to fucking get her off the show. All because she's saying, it's like, let people enjoy nature, right? That's what we're talking about, dude. Who is coming out? Who is saying all this shit? Now, I know... Now, you talked about people having military backgrounds or parents. If you actually go through how many people who are famous have very famous military fathers. And I can already hear the chat section going, <laughs> what about Brian Callen and his dad in the CPR, <laughs> CFR? I get it. I hear you. All I know is Brian Callen is my good friend. I think he got fucked and I'm supporting him and I will continue to support him because he is my friend and he is a genuine person. But for all the selling out and all this shit... He's on his own, and he's he's been fucking kicked out, and it's affecting him like a motherfucker, and I'm just trying to help my friend. So I'm answering all the questions I'm going to hear in this fucking thing, okay? <laughs> this is the most indie fucking thing out there. Somehow we're in the top 75 in fucking on Apple, and we don't play ball with anybody. We just do our own fucking thing and crank out content, and you guys fucking like it, okay? I don't know where you guys are getting all this crazy shit about me, but the point is, like, if you actually look at Hollywood, how many of those people have military parents? It is unbelievable. 
I mean, Jim Morrison's father was involved in the Gulf of Tonkin. All of Lauren Canyon's full of them. Yeah. Right. No, but uh, for the inauguration, guess uh, guess who's performing? Oh yeah, Lady Gaga. Somebody said Tom Hanks is the inaugural. No, it's it's all females. It's uh, Pledge of Allegiance, Andrea Hall, National Anthem, Lady Gaga, Poetry Reading, Amanda Gore, and Musical Performance, Jennifer Lopez. Oh, and by the way, nobody's allowed there, by the way. That's just something to think about. Oh, but it's full of uh, – uh, there's more troops there than Iraq right now. So uh, you brought up a lot. Of, utter waste of money. Let's first, first of all, utter waste of money during a pandemic to have all that shit in there. And, and the they're all together forces. sleeping next to each other, not, not six feet apart. So you uh, – I want to get into some of the culture stuff we talked about because uh, I know we have you for a limited time, unfortunately. Okay, we got, we got about five minutes left. Can I get a little tiny bit more than that? Just a tiny, tiny, tiny. Here we go. Uh, psychedelic CIA, that's a giant thing. Uh, you know, we, we know that the uh, Grateful Dead were basically the house band of the guy who made the CIA um, uh, acid, okay? There's also, we get into uh, Charles Char- Char- uh, Char- Manson, right? And uh, what role he and the FBI had because they created the, the hippie culture to promote drugs and then they also created the the you know uh, panic the the uh, helter skelter to demonize the hippies, which is something that Bill Cooper talked about with the gay community that they promoted the gay lifestyle and then they released HIV on the you know so they want everybody to be gay and then they wanted HIV to be out here. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so the counterculture hippie scene of the 1960s has been very well documented in terms of all those connections going back into the CIA. You had Dave McGowan's classic book, Weird Scenes Inside the Canyon, where he detailed all the family connections going back into uh, the world of the military intelligence. Jan Irvin's done a lot of great work on that as well, alongside Joe Atwill. Uh, The interesting thing for me is looking at how that whole dynamic played out in the punk and new wave scene in the 1970s. I did a lot on that in my book, uh, Volume 2, and you find exactly the same dynamic going on. All the fathers of the prominent musicians in the punk and new wave scene, both in Britain and in America, largely coming out of New York, had those same connections. And then here in the UK, one that was of great interest to me because I was a part of this scene is from the late 1980s, the acid house rave scene that came out of the UK and it gave birth to electronic dance music and the super club scene and basically the worldwide dance music scene that we i was going to say now have but we haven't had for the last year (laughs) Uh, but up until early 2020 you had this massive uh youth phenomenon where young people in pretty much every country in the world were going out to clubs every single weekend listening to electronic dance music uh doing drugs mainly mdma ecstasy which was the drug of choice that came out of that scene and what's very interesting to me is looking at how that whole scene got birthed in the late 1980s and it looks to me like a reboot of the 60s counterculture hippie scene transferred to a different country across the Atlantic 21 years later. So in the 60s, you had psychedelic rock music, which had come along to replace all the rock music that had gone gone along previously. You had this new drug of choice that went with the scene, which was LSD. And you had uh, these amazing uh, graphics and all these colors and all these designs and all these icons and motifs uh, that were a part of that scene. 
then you look at what emerged out of the UK in what was known to be the second summer of love, 1988 and 1989. And this time you had electronic dance music and all this music produced on synthesizers uh, and drum machines, which was very different to music that had gone before. You had the drug of choice for that scene, which was ecstasy, E, and you had all these amazing motifs and uh, designs and stuff. And it was all, uh, the acid house scene was very psychedelic in nature as that earlier scene had been. And it dealt with spiritual and metaphysical uh, themes. And you had all these uh, dance parties and these open air festivals and stuff, which were just like the hippie festivals that had gone on 21 years earlier. And it was supposedly reconnected with nature and tapping into that primal uh, desire that's within humanity to dance under the stars and to kind of express yourself to the beat to to music it's just like this inherent thing within the human experience but unfortunately the whole acid house rave scene would appear to have been controlled to a very large extent by the military intelligence community they were responsible for putting a lot of the ecstasy into the scene that the kids were uh, eating up just the same as the lsd all came from the cia in that earlier scene And uh, another thing that's interesting to me now is that over the past several months, the club scene has been completely dead. It seems to me that they've crashed it. There's no sign of clubs opening again anytime soon. DJs are out of business. Clubbers and ravers have got nowhere to go. There's no festivals. And it looks as if it's another scene that they've just crashed and burnt. They built it up to be this amazing, influential cultural phenomenon and now they've just crashed it because they've got other agendas on their mind so it's quite alarming that that whole scene uh, just doesn't exist anymore djs aren't working and clubbers have got nowhere to go there's no party scene anymore it's quite an alarming thing uh it's gotten so bad i saw uh dead mouse working at the food court at the mall the other day <laughs> no, we, had, we had time for that though. yeah so here's the final two questions and then we'll let you go uh the last thing i want to talk about is your books and let us know about your books because i think people are going to be very interesting so i'm a huge dave girl fan are you telling me there's some stuff with dave girl too are you going to shatter this for me is dave girl connected to any stuff yeah, Dave Grohl crops up in Musical Truth Volume 2 in terms of his father, James Harper Grohl, uh, who was connected into uh, one of the U.S. presidents. Uh, and you have a connection there into uh, William Howard Taft. Uh, I think it was James Taft, one of the U.S. presidents. And William Howard Taft uh, was connected to uh, one of these occult secret societies. I'd have to check on my notes to see which one it was. But there are family connections from Dave Grohl going into uh, the the white house and the world of of uh, dc politics so dave grohl wasn't a musician that just uh played a few gigs and crossed his fingers for good luck and uh, made it against all the odds unfortunately he was placed there because of who his father was and we just see endless examples of this very few exceptions one, one of the uh oh, we had a, your illusions there we had a note <laughs> to, to ask you about also uh artists who have had their masters uh enchanted by witches is that is that something that you have some information about 
Yeah, there was an industry in- insider that went by the name of John Todd. He was also known as Lance Collins from uh, the Collins bloodline family, which was involved with witchcraft and dark occultism. And he was placed into the music industry in the 1970s in a prominent role. And he became something of a whistleblower. There's a famous recording of his you can get on YouTube where he's talking about this familiar practice that all record companies in the 1970s had of taking the master tape of a new recording, a new album that they wanted to put out. And they would take it down into an altar room within the record company HQ. And they would bring in a coven of witches to cast a spell on the master recording. The idea being that every copy that was then made from the master and sent out into the public would carry some of that dark signature energy that had been imbued into the master tape. So uh, that was a thing back in the 1970s. And now that we have digital electronic methods of recording, uh, it's anybody's guess as to what might be getting put into uh, recordings on an unseen level by way of frequencies and then getting put out there into the general public. Dude, I- I've heard that story about Capitol over here in L.A. They have a room and they would put like either blood in the masters so it would it would it would sp- and, oh. and all this occult shit with that. I mean, it's unbelievable. You take a look at Led Zeppelin. I mean, first of all, they jacked so many of their songs, and then on top of that, they got Aleister Crowley influences. And Aleister Crowley is a, is a great example of what I believe is what happens with these kids is that you you have their dad in powerful positions, but a lot of these kids, and this is Sam speaking, and then we're going to talk about your book, is uh, these kids, they go to private schools, right? And uh, their parents all know each other, and they all know each other from these private school kids, and they're either the kids or the kids' parents end up being in positions of power, which allow them to pluck these guys. Oh, I know little, little fucking Dave Grohl. Ah, <laughs> oh, my kid went to school with them. Oh, yeah, man. He's in a band. Let's say, oh, the band, the band's good, and then it's off and running. I, I'm not saying that is the way, but I just feel like that's what happens with Alistair Crowley. Like he went to this power, this kid, this uh, private school, and then he just has this fuck. He's so rich that he can just spend his time trying to figure out how the world works. He comes up with this dark art shit, and because all the people they knew around him are now in positions of power, it's able for him to get his message out a lot quicker. And it, that's just my my thoughts on how the whole thing fucking works. I I, I could definitely be wrong. Um, God dang, man, is anything sacred anymore? Nope, dude. If you tell me Elmo is the fucking CIA, I'm gonna lose it. Dude. Well, he's right. He's the devil. What about Tool? That's what I want to know. It's no, don't a lot don't break Sam's yeah. heart with Tool. Have you ever looked into Tool at all? Yeah, I got some stuff on Tool. Particularly Danny Carey, uh, who's into some dark occult stuff and uh, Freemasonic links and all of that. I can't remember offhand what it is, but it's all in the book. All right. Well, we well tell. Can you tell us where uh, where we can f- tell us about your books and where we can find them? Sure. So I've got Musical Truth Volume One, which I put out in 2016. Then I put out Volume Two in 2018 and i'm currently writing volume three i got down to that earlier this week i've been wanting to do it for months there's more of the story to tell so there is going to be a volume three and i'm looking forward to getting that finished but for now there's volumes one and two so 
there's a lot in there. You know, it's basically 10 years worth of research in those two books. They're both available on Amazon. Uh, I am mailing copies out, signed copies, to anyone that wants to get one from me direct. So if people want to drop me an email uh, to markdevlinuk at gmail.com, I can arrange to send those out anywhere in the world. I've just produced an audio book version of Musical Truth Volume 1. Uh, it took 17 and a half hours to oh. speak that book. But the audio book will soon be available on audible.com, part of Amazon. Uh, so the two printed ones are, are now available. And as I say, volume three will be coming probably by the end of this year. Damn, dude. You got a YouTube too, right? Yeah. My YouTube is Mark Devlin TV. I've got a whole load of public presentations that I've done from the days when you could still do public presentations, you know, conference talks and such. All my radio shows and my podcasts and my interviews are up on there. So uh, that's Mark Devlin uh, TV on YouTube. My main website is djmarkdevlin.com. And you've got links from there to all of my audio, which is hosted on my Spreaker channel and uh, all my videos and everything else. So like the one-stop shop, the hub website is djmarkdevlin.com. All right, Mark. Thank you so much for coming on. We'd love to have you back and get into all these different bands and all this stuff. You shattered Johnny with his uh, with the uh, Beatles. You shattered me with Tool. I'm sure... Uh, fuck That's it. what I'm here to do. I'm sure Pitbull's bad, too, uh, <laughs> XG. So uh, I just assume he's into some weird butt stuff and some dark art yeah, shit. Yeah, I don't discriminate. I piss everyone off. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, go. Mark. He's Mark Devlin. Thank yeah. you so much for coming on Tim Fall Hat. Thanks, and thank guys. you guys for All doing right, the cheers. show. We appreciate it. We go deep, homeboy. open your mind. Drink. From the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. There's, you just blew my mind. Tim foil hack, tin foil hack, tin foil hack.